about that you run into at the Kroger or the Walmart and you ask how's the weather, that's acquaintance, but I'm talking about a friend. I'm, I'm talking about somebody that really knows you and loves you anyway. What's a friend? A friend will help you move more than once. Right? Notice I said more than once. They show back up the second day. That truly takes, that truly takes a friend, right? A friend will love you despite who you are. They know about you. And they love you anyway. Are you a good friend? A friend will tell you the truth. Even when the truth is hard to say. Even when the truth is hard to receive. Knowing full well that you need the truth. But sometimes, sometimes we don't like the truth, do we? It's Jack Nicholson and a few good men with his veins pop out of his neck and he says, you can't handle the truth, right? I think if we're honest with one another, we have to say that oftentimes we don't like the truth, but a friend will tell us the truth, knowing how we will respond is secondary to what they do. Are you a good friend? Do you have good friends? Do you have people that hold you accountable? You say you're a follower of Jesus Christ, but do you have somebody who holds you accountable and says, prove it, right? In Luke chapter 5, we're shown a picture of some good friends. Beginning in verse 17, it says this from the English Standard Version. On one of those days, as he was teaching, as Jesus was teaching, Pharisees, remember the Pharisees? Pharisees, as we talked about last, last week, uh, religious people, the priests. We talked about the Good Samaritan, for those of you who weren't here with us last week. The religious, the priests, the scribes, these are the Pharisees, these are the experts in the law. This particular time it says that Jesus was teaching and there were Pharisees who had gathered from Galilee, from Judea, from Jerusalem. In other words, they recognized that he had some kind of power. They recognized he had some kind of authority. The, the other Gospels talk about Jesus speaking as no one has spoken. They had rabbis, right? They had good rabbis. They had rabbis that would teach, but nobody taught like Jesus Christ. And so they all gathered, even these experts in the law, these people who knew the Jewish traditions, they gathered just to hear Jesus speak. Now, oftentimes they gathered for false motivation, right? But they still gathered. They wanted to see what Jesus would do. The end of verse 17 says... And don't miss this. And the power, and the power, that word in Greek, the power, the dunamis, we get that in our English. We get the word dynamite. You hear that power? You might remember Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when Jesus says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. And he talks about this power, this power that's given from on high, this this power that can come only through the Holy Spirit. 
here the gospel writer tells us that there's this power that's going on and this power that Jesus has gives them the ability to heal. And behold, so look, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. Let's stop there for just a few moments. Some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. Isn't that what we're supposed to be about? How do we love God, Wes? We love God by loving our brother, right? We love God by loving our fellow man. We love the unlovable. You hear that? You love people that aren't necessarily deserving of your love because that's what God did. That's what God expects from us. These men love their friend. How do we know that? Because they picked him up on, his, on a mat by the way, this man is paralyzed, it says. Did you know in the ancient Near East, if you're paralyzed, you probably can't make a good living, right? You're probably without a whole lot of hope. I mean, let's just assume this guy is an average guy other than he's paralyzed, right? But don't you think, put yourself in his shoes for just a second. Don't you think if you were paralyzed, don't you think if you had to count on other people day in, day out, 24-7, don't you think you would be at least a little bit discouraged? Right? Yet his friends loved him enough to do something about it. The scripture says they wanted to take him and lay, them, lay him at the feet of Jesus. In other words, they believed that Jesus perhaps might, might do something about his condition, might do something about his paralysis. Did you know, church, that you have people in your life that are paralyzed? They may not be physically paralyzed, but they are spiritually paralyzed. Paralyzed means the inability to move, right? And after a certain amount of time, if you read through the Gospels, there's miracle after miracle, such as this paralytic or a lame man who's been blind or been lame from birth, or a blind man who was born blind. Over and over and over, we get these gospel miracles where Jesus has to do something that it's almost like the people that have a particular condition have given up hope. They've reverted in their minds to saying, this is who I am. This is my identity. There's people in your life who have done that spiritually. There's people in your life, perhaps your coworker, perhaps your family member, 
Perhaps it's you. You feel like you feel like you begin to have some kind of momentum, right? And it's almost like I guess I'm just spinning my wheels, at least spiritually. You, you follow the metaphor? You understand what I'm saying? Some of you know what I'm talking about. There are people in my life that if I don't, if I don't listen for God, if I don't look for God, if I don't have those, as we've talked about before, those nexus, those, those places where our, our lives interact, where we, where we get to a place where we do something about those people that are spiritually paralyzed, guess what? They stay spiritually paralyzed. And God expects us to do something about that paralysis. God expects us to, to notice those friends, to pick up those mats and take them to Jesus. God expects us to be the hands and feet of Jesus. God expects us to wash people's feet. God expects us to go and to make disciples and to love our fellow man. I, I wonder how we're doing with that. Are we, are we good friends to those around us? You may have an excuse going on in your head right now, bouncing around, you know, having a tennis match. Well, I couldn't do that, or I couldn't do this, or I, it's always in hindsight, or whatever the case may be. But let me tell you, and I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. If you pray for ministry opportunities, guess what? God gives you ministry opportunities. If you pray that God would show you somebody to have that nexus moment with, to, to notice the man who's on the side of the road last week, to notice the man who's been paralyzed and relies on somebody else to do something about it. There are people in your life like that, church, and we've got to have our eyes wide open. We've got to have our ears wide open. We've got to have some kind of motivation about, in regards to love. Love them enough to do something about their condition. I read in recent weeks the story of Helen Keller. You remember Helen Keller? At 19 months old, Helen Keller had a disease which caused loss of eyesight. She also lost her hearing at 19 months. Now you can imagine what that might do to her, right? She can't see you. She can't hear you. So what did he do? They take her to a young lady at the time named Ann Sullivan. Ann Sullivan's a teacher, and she has some eyesight impairment as well, but Ann Sullivan doesn't give up. She recognizes the condition that Helen Keller has, but she has hope. She begins to teach her to speak by allowing Helen Keller to touch her lips, right, and feel her lips move, touch her throat, and to feel her voice box move. Long story short, Ann Sullivan works with Helen Keller for years and years and years, and eventually Helen Keller graduates cum laude from college without the ability to see, without the ability to hear. I would offer to you that's some sort of paralysis, right? And yet Ann Sullivan has enough 
hope and she loves her enough to do something about the circumstance. There's somebody in your life, church, who's the Helen Keller, and you're to be the Ann Sullivan. I wonder if you've recognized that person. I know there's some of us in here this morning who have specific challenges. We have those people in our families. We have those people living with us. We have people in our immediate area that we're attempting to minister to, and sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes the people that are paralyzed don't want you to pick them up and take them to Jesus. Right? You ever dealt with an addicted person? Somebody who is dealing with addiction? Sometimes those people don't want to be carried to Jesus. And you continue to pray. 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 And eventually God's going to give you the opportunity to recognize his timing that he's been working all along with this person and it's your role to pick them up on their mat and take them to Jesus I love this picture of friendship they recognized the paralysis and they did something about it that's how we know that we love God if we love our brother Who in your life is paralyzed? Maybe it comes to you right away. Maybe it takes a little more thinking. Maybe it takes some praying. But I can promise you, if you pray and you pray and you pray, God's going to show you that person. God's going to allow you to hear that person that has no hope, that's discouraged, Be the hands and feet of Jesus. Amen? But finding no way to bring him in, verse 19 says, because of the crowd. Have you noticed that in the Gospels when Jesus shows up? He not only has the power, he not only has the authority to teach like no other rabbi, but there are crowds showing up. And as I've mentioned before, sometimes they're showing up with false motivation. Sometimes they just want to see the show. In other words, they're not there for Jesus. They're not there to have a relationship with Jesus. They just don't want to miss out on all the conversation. Right? When you go into work on Monday, you want to be around the, the water cooler and be able to have some knowledge about what Jesus has done. That's what I'm talking about. That's a horrible motivation for, for showing up. Right? These are Pharisees. These are teachers of the law. These people should know who Jesus is. They're looking for the Messiah. You catch that? And as is so often the case, their motivations are wrong. How do I know that? Read on. These people, these friends, they took their buddy up on the roof and they let him down in his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. Did you know when you're called to be Jesus to people, when you're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus to people, when you're called to be the Ann Sullivans to the Helen Kellers of the world, that being the hands and feet of Jesus is oftentimes inconvenient? Right? Right? 
I've known church people for the majority, well, all of my life. And I can't tell you, I mean, I was taking an inventory, if you want to call it that, the last couple of weeks, thinking, how many times have I noticed the people on the side of the road? How many times have I noticed the paralyzed man, the paralyzed person off on the side, and saying, well, I'll, I'll pray for you. And that's about it. Remember what James says about faith and works? You need to do something more than just, yes, we should pray. Yes, we should pray. Yes, we should pray. And that, sometimes that's all we need to do is pray. Other times, God is asking us to do more than pray. Nine times out of ten, 90 percent of the time, 95, 97, 98, 99, I don't know what the percentage is, but it's a high percentage. When God calls us to do something with the hellish killers of the world, it's inconvenient. In other words, ministry is a sacrifice. You follow? It doesn't come easy. It's not something that comes natural. So you can give God all the excuses of why you shouldn't. Remember the story of Moses? Well, I shouldn't do this. I can't do this. I, I'm, I'm not a good speaker. I, I, I don't have the ability, yada, 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 this, that, and the other. And God said, no, I've chosen you. I've chosen you. I've chosen you. Yeah, but what am I supposed to say to Pharaoh? I come on behalf of God. That changes everything. Right? You can give God all kinds of excuses, church. It's inconvenient. I don't have time. Those of you who were here last week, remember the priest? Perhaps he was going to pray. Sounds like a pretty noble thing to do, right? But he was so focused on going to pray that he missed the ministry opportunity. The Levite, the same, the same way. I, I wonder sometimes if we as church people, as good church people, we're so focused on the religious things that we miss the paralyzed man, that we miss the person off to the side who God wants us to do something with. He wants us to pick the person up and take them to Jesus. Ministry is oftentimes inconvenient. And it's a sacrifice. When I've looked back in hindsight, church, at those ministry opportunities, and you have to ask yourself, am I really loving this person by just saying, go, I wish you well, be warm, James, be well fed, I'll pray for you. Do I really love that person? If ministry is inconvenient, if ministry is a sacrifice, loving the person means we do more than just. We do whatever it is God allows us to do. We show them the hand and feet of Jesus Christ. We wash their feet. By the way, when you think about washing feet in the ancient Near East, it's not a real clean job, is it? I mean, I'm prone to think this way. I'll love, I'll love you if. I'll wash your feet if, if they're clean, if they smell good, if you don't have any weird-looking toes. Right? That's not what Jesus asked us to do. Some of you are looking at each other like, yeah, you got some weird toes. 
That's not what Jesus asked us to do, right? Jesus asked us to love. Period. Yet sometimes, I know in my own life, and I would guess in your life, that we've missed opportunities. We've missed ministry opportunities because it's inconvenient. We're doing something else. We're going somewhere else. Let's just, let's just be honest. Let me just tell you what it is. We love our time, money, more than we love the paralyzed man. Isn't that the truth? We're selfish. That's what it comes down to. We're selfish. I love the picture here in Luke chapter 5 of, of the friends. Because ministry is inconvenient. They get to the place where they're going to go through the front door and the crowds are all around, the religious people, the church people are all around, they're listening to Jesus. They could have said, well, sorry, maybe he'll be back next week. Maybe there's a better time. Maybe there's a better place. Maybe we'll try to reach him later. That's not what they did. They went up on the roof in the ancient Near East. You think about the, the, the best, best scenario is these ceiling tiles. and They began to dig through the, the roof and they, they took time out of their day. They took more effort. They ministered to They loved him so much that they sacrificed. And they let him down before Jesus. And notice what it says. Verse 20, when they saw, when Jesus saw the man's faith. That's not what it says. You know, we have to assume the man had faith. Why? Because the man's healed. But it says, and when Jesus saw the friend's faith. Sometimes I don't have faith. Sometimes I need you to come alongside me and help me with my faith. You follow? Sometimes you don't have faith, and I need to come alongside you and have faith. Sometimes you're the paralyzed man over here on the stretcher, and you are so discouraged. Life sucks, and it has for years. And somebody with some faith needs to show up and do something about the circumstances we find ourselves in. And the gospel writer tells us that Jesus says, and because, because of their faith. That's amazing. Are you a good friend? Do you love somebody enough to come alongside them and help them with their faith? says, when he saw their faith, Jesus said, man, your sins are forgiven. What? What does that have to do with the paralyzed? Remember, I told you, it's not just a physical thing. Jesus, oftentimes, as in this case, the gospel writers use physical things to show us spiritual truths. You hear that? Physical things, paralyzed man, to show us spiritual truths. The spiritual truth is, you're broken. The paralyzed man is broken. There are people in your life that are broken. You are broken. And Jesus, 
who has oftentimes before this text even done some miraculous things physically. But it's not just about the paralyzed man, is it? It's not just about his physical ailment. He says, your sins are forgiven. That's a spiritual thing, right? He moves it from the physical to the spiritual. Why would he do that? And here's where it comes even more interesting. The scribes, the Pharisees, remember those with motivation to gather around Jesus? They began to question, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Only God can forgive sins. Well, you know that as a good Jew. Only God can forgive sins. But it says, when Jesus perceived their thoughts, they didn't have to say it out loud. Jesus knew their hearts. What's going on here? It's not just a physical healing. Yes, it's a physical healing, but it's also a spiritual healing. It's complete restoration, right? What's the greatest miracle you've ever witnessed? If, you have a, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've made the way to Jesus, if you've been totally immersed in Jesus, the greatest miracle you've ever witnessed is Him saving you. Isn't that the greatest miracle? You're a sinner. You need a Savior. The Savior is Jesus Christ. That's the greatest miracle. When he says, your sins are forgiven you, what a great miracle. The paralysis, okay, I, I get all that, right? This physical thing, okay, I get that. The greatest miracle here is, your sins are forgiven you. Hope restored, right? Life everlasting. And yet the religious people have some problems with that. So Jesus says, why do you question in your heart, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise up and walk? In other words, Jesus is saying, they're one and the same. When I heal you, by the way, the gospel writer Luke uses the word sozo in Greek over and over again. The word sozo in Greek means healing. It means completely restored. It's not just a physical thing, it's a spiritual thing. And so when Jesus says, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or rise up and walk? Jesus is equating one with the other. It's not that he just came to heal the blind. It's not that he came just to heal the lame. It's not that he came just to heal the, heal the paralyzed. It's that he came to heal us spiritually. But that you may know, he says, that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He says to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, remember verse 24, I want you to notice that. If you have your smartphone open, if you have your Bibles open, look at this again. Verse 24, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, who what? Who was paralyzed, right? Complete restoration. He's no longer paralyzed. That's past tense. He was paralyzed, but a miracle has taken place. Who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. Can you imagine this guy, right? He's never walked in his life. We call that atrophy, right? When, when your muscles 
just, you, you can't even stand on your own. Yeah, there's nothing left. And when Jesus says, pick up your mat, can you imagine this guy's feelings? Man. I baptized a guy one day, years ago. This is a black gentleman in a place where blacks back in the day were not, were not received well. You guys know what I'm talking about? They had to be out of town at sundown. And I'll never forget that baptism because when he, the guy's name is Leroy Chisholm. He's passed away now in heaven. But I want to think that I was a friend when nobody else would be a friend. And there came a point in time where I got to baptize Leroy Chisholm in a place that you would not have thought of a black gentleman being baptized. And when he came out of the water church, he celebrated. Praise God. Everybody knew, probably for blocks, what had just taken place. Isn't that what it's all about? Isn't that the gospel? Isn't that the paralyzed man who when Jesus says, pick up your mat, and go home. Walk. Or the man who is blind and Jesus says, now you're healed. Or the one who had nobody to take him and put him in the pool, who's given up hope, and then Jesus shows up. That's the gospel. Immediately, he says, the man rose, and before them he picked up what had been lying on and went home glorifying God. He praised God, and amazement seized them all. And amazement church. What? Why would you be surprised? Isn't that what Jesus is all about? Why are you shocked when God does something? Isn't God a God of miracles? Isn't God a God of restoration, of change? Can't God do anything? The short answer is yes. And they said, we have seen extraordinary things today. I've mentioned to you that someone in your life is paralyzed. They need a friend. They need you to do something. I mentioned to you that being the hands and feet of Jesus is oftentimes inconvenient. You guys know that. I'm not convincing you of things you don't know. The third thing I want to share with you this morning is don't, don't let the obstacles... Don't let the obstacles change the mission. What's the mission? Go. Go. Go and love. Go and baptize. Go and teach. Go and wash feet. Go. Go and feed. Go and shelter. Go and be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ when nobody else wants to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. When the church is gathered on a Sunday morning and we're feeling really good about ourselves. go. Because there's people in your life that only you can go. 
You know the mission. Now will you work the mission? When he saw their faith, when he saw their faith, Jesus did something about it. When he saw their faith, I heard this morning from a pastor that I really appreciate say, if we really understood that God didn't save us to be on a playground. God saved us to be on a battleground. Isn't that true? We really understand who we are as the church. When we really understand this is a battle and not just escaping hell, things will take place, things will change. Are you a good friend? Are you willing to take time out of your day to walk over, pick up the mat, and take the man or take the woman to Jesus? Or bring them to Jesus? Are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to be inconvenienced? Are you willing to do anything that God calls you to do, despite what the world says. It may look foolish. I mean, how many times do we read about those things in Scripture? It may look really, really crazy to people around you, and yet God calls you to do it, and you know, you know without a shadow of a doubt. You've had good counsel. People have recognized it's God's call upon your life to do X, Y, and Z, and if you don't do X, Y, and Z, you'll never sleep at night. You know what I'm talking about? Are you willing to be inconvenienced to be a friend? And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have your marching orders. Your marching orders are to go. Now you need to work the mission. Who's your one? Who's the person in your life right now who needs to be here on a Sunday morning? Who's the person in your family that you need to share Jesus? Jesus has been telling you over and over and over and over again. Did you notice that I'm almost done? So this would be a great time to wake up. The vice president said just a few days ago that he'd heard from Jesus, and he got lambasted in the media. I can tell you, I hear from Jesus. I hear from the Holy Spirit. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you don't hear from the Holy Spirit, it's not he that's not talking to you, it's that you have stopped up your ears. If you have the Holy Spirit living within you, you have the mission, you have the Holy Spirit, now go and work mission. Take care of the paralyzed man. Take care of the paralyzed woman. Continue to love. Love God. How do you know that you love God? You love by going. You love God. You love people. You love by what? You love by what? You love by Father, I pray that you would hear our prayers this morning, God, as we are so ill-equipped time to time in our lives, at least physically, but the equation changes when we have the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, who calls us to something greater than ourselves, and that something greater is the gospel. May we never claim to love you without loving our brother. May we never claim to love you without 
moving to the other side of the road, being inconvenienced, walking over, picking up the mat that this paralyzed man is on, going above and beyond, taking up, up on the roof, and digging a hole in the roof, and letting him down before Jesus, taking him to Jesus, may we love as these friends loved. May we love as Jesus loved. May we love as you loved. Find us faithful, I pray, in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand as we sing? a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God a place where sin cannot molest near to the heart of God oh Jesus blessed